Now, back to the Frontier Freedom Hour with Jeff Hunt, sponsored by Centennial Institute at Colorado Christian University. Here's Jeff Hunt. Friends, we've been having a conversation that could last all day, and I really appreciate her. Stephanie Slade, who's the senior editor at Reason Magazine, the magazine of free minds and free markets, one of the most influential libertarian magazines has been in studio. If you missed it, go back to FrontierFreedomRadio.com. You can listen to the entire conversation. So the question I asked to you was, libertarians believe in limited government, and I have often said we need to have mitigating institutions, civil society institutions, churches, nonprofits that actually serve the poor, serve those addicted to drugs, serve in education. But my question to you is, I just have never really seen them try to create them or encourage people. Oftentimes my debates around libertarianism has been around the free use of drugs and abortion and no government involved in our social decisions. So where, where is the libertarians that need to help us build these civil society institutions? I think it's a fair critique, but I also think that there's a sort of measurement problem here, which is to say that the type of person who's very naturally entrepreneurial, who wants to go out and found a new organization, a new charity, a business, uh, uh, you know, uh, the people who are out there on the street organizing and, and trying to work with their, their community members to solve a problem are probably not also going to be showing up uh, and, and, and involved in libertarian politics and also on the, on the Reddit chat boards and whatever and fighting about what the true meaning of libertarianism is. And they're probably not going to be coming on your radio show to talk about these things either um, but that doesn't mean that 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 they don't get we don't get credit for that. I think we are promoting a sort of entrepreneurialism. We want people to feel like they are empowered and enabled and have the freedom to try to, to, to solve problems on their own. And again, in association with others on their, on their own doesn't necessarily mean you are one atomistic individual who has to do everything by yourself. No, no, that's, that's absolutely not the case. What I mean is you don't get to use state coercion to try to coerce other people into living the way you want them to live. But people, people are out there trying to solve problems. I think we, we need a lot more of that than we currently have. That's, that's totally fair. I think libertarians probably probably should spend more time thinking uh, about this and working on this problem. I think the same is true of conservatives, frankly. I, I've been thinking a lot about how we got to where we are in this country and the state of the conservative movement. I, I spent a lot of time reading and writing about that topic. And one of the things I think we have lost sight of is in, in the old fusionist formulation that says that both liberty and virtue matter. Um, uh, but that liberty is is the sort of primary political value and virtue is the primary value in our, in our lives, the, the highest value in our lives, that we, we need freedom in order to pursue uh, virtue, um, but that virtue is the highest value. Um, Conservative, too many conservatives have spent too much time thinking about how to how to how to win political battles, how to get people elected to Congress, how to how to get a law passed or a Supreme Court judge uh, justice uh, nominated or whatever, and not nearly as much time as we probably need to spend thinking about these these civil society uh, solutions. Um, so I, I just I think a lot about the virtue piece. I think I think that politics crowds out. Uh, uh, sort of other other forms of, of life. And, and I think we probably all need to be reminded of that uh, now and then. A libertarian who believes that virtue matters. I am so happy. This is the first one I've ever run into that, that makes sure that that is an important part of the conversation. I really appreciate that. We're running up against time here, and I really want to talk about your article about being a pro-life libertarian because I think that's really important. You mentioned in your article it's about 60% or so of libertarians that are pro-choice. So that puts you a little bit at odds with the movement, but 
Share with us your perspective on that, Stephanie. The truth is that we don't know what percentage of libertarians are pro-life versus pro-choice because it's almost impossible to poll libertarians. Um, it's not a thing that we know how to do very well. Um, that was an estimate that was done, and it's it's several years old. I think more than a decade ago that estimate was made. Um, but I, I included it in my piece just to say, like, hey, I'm not the only one, actually. There are plenty of people who identify as both libertarian and pro-life. Um, on the other hand, historically, the libertarian movement and the libertarian party, capital L, libertarian party, have been tended to be associated with support for quote-unquote abortion rights. Um, so I acknowledge that as well. Um, but the point I make in my piece, and I think this is I think this is a pretty strong argument that even many of my most pro-choice libertarian colleagues and friends would agree with, is that the question of what the, what the law should say on abortion is entirely dependent on the question, the earlier question, the, the primary question, of what is a human life and when does it begin? And that entity in the womb, does it count as a person with rights? Um, I look at an ultrasound and I see a human being and that human being deserves to have the protection of the law if the law exists at all. If we have a government, the number one thing I want that government doing is protecting innocent human life. And so for me, I look at the ultrasound, I see a human person, an innocent human person, and I, I come down on the pro-life side. I think that what, but, but I think that that question is just completely outside the scope of libertarianism. You don't answer the question of when life begins by starting with libertarian first principles. You have to look elsewhere. And so I think it, if somebody looks at an ultrasound and doesn't see a human person, I mean, I think that's crazy. But if they do, then of course they're going to apply their libertarian principles and they're going to say there is no role for the state here because there's only one human being involved, the woman. So I, I guess I just say I see the abortion question as it can't be adjudicated by looking to libertarianism. Libertarians can come down on either side depending on how they answer that first primary question. I think what I appreciate your perspective on is that um, there are truths, and this comes from your Roman Catholic background and faith, that there, there are truths, there's natural law, uh, there is right and wrong, there's virtue, but your perspective on freedom is to really make sure that the government is limited uh, because if the government is too influential, even if good people are in charge of it, you can turn it over to bad people and then it becomes a force for opposition and oppression, right? Right. And by the way, power corrupts. So it's not mm -hmm. just that they might capture the, the, you know, we want power so we can use it for good things and they might capture it and use it for bad things. But having that power is such a temptation on us as well. And I think we need to keep that in mind as well. Um, so that's that's part of the, uh, this is this is my very Tolkienian um, fear of the fear of the ring. Um, I, I would say this is this is not data, a data driven point, but anecdotally, I, I find that there are more and more young libertarians coming across my path who do identify as pro-life or who are more likely to be religious of some kind. And again, I can't quantify this, but um, many of our youngest staffers at Reason um, are pro-life, actually, and many of our older staffers are more likely to identify as pro-choice. So whether that signifies anything going forward, I don't know, but I think these ideas are very powerful and they are, this is just a little bit more evidence that the pro-life position is not in any way fundamentally inconsistent with libertarianism. I appreciate that. And you've had some great leaders, Rand Paul, Ron Paul, that have been strongly pro-life. Let's talk a little bit about Colorado here as we close. Colorado, as I mentioned at the very beginning, has been a fusion of social libertarianism and leftism. So you get drugs, you get doctor-assisted suicides, you get gambling, you get kind of the social libertarianism, the, the ability to live my life the way I want. But at the same time, we've had a total decimation of the oil and gas industry because of leftism. They're picking and choosing the industries that they want to. And I don't see the libertarians in Colorado really pushing back 
at all. And I've, and I've said this, that the libertarians in Colorado seem to be primarily interested in the ability to have an abortion and smoke weed. Um, they're not leading that charge uh, to, against the over-regulation of the government. What's your message to libertarians in the state of Colorado? I should start by saying that I identify as a small L libertarian. Reason is a small L libertarian magazine. What that means is that we are we are articulating a libertarian philosophy. We're not in any way affiliated with the capital L libertarian party. I, I'm not involved with the libertarian party. I don't know that much about what the libertarian party in Colorado is up to and whether they have been doing the job that I would like. You know, I, I would want them to do if I were a libertarian in Colorado. So I I, I can't speak very knowledgeably to that. And in, of course, each state chapter of the of the capital L libertarian party is different and and they in many cases are very different and pursuing very different representing very different values um some that i find actually downright horrifying so i can't defend the libertarian party in any given case um but for small libertarians or for people who are thinking about getting involved um in, in these issues i i would say like in this case return to your first principles like yes we we are skeptical of state power we are skeptical of the state because the state is this entity that you know max weber famously defined as the entity with the uh, monopoly on, of the use on violence in society nobody else gets to use violence against you and and everybody else says yeah that's okay and so because of that we want to have an incredibly high bar before we empower it to do things to interfere in our lives to use that kind of force against us and that should go uh, regardless of whether we like the thing that the state wants to do or we dislike the thing that the state wants to do we should be skeptical always as a first as a, as a default presumption and the bar should be very high before we'll say okay in this case the thing rises to the level that we really do want state involvement on this issue so I, that's the thing that I think gets lost it, it can get lost it is especially likely to get lost when you get this sort of tribal allegiance to the two one of the two parties where people on both sides they start to prioritize not their principles or you know the the, the values that they hold but rather the winning you know winning against the other side owning the libs beating the other side or you know going after the deplorables or whatever it is putting them in their place um as opposed to saying okay how do we how do we build a society that functions and allows us all to pursue um good lives and, and the common good and have the freedom to do that without being constantly at war with again the one entity that we could never win against which is the state and we have a unique situation in colorado among our two parties where the republican nominee for senate is pro-choice and in favor of gay marriage and the libertarian nominee for senate supports is pro-life and so <laughs> it is it's a wild west out here in colorado and uh, we'll have to see how it plays out but stephanie i really do appreciate you being on the show and i really appreciate your voice within the small l libertarian movement on the role of virtue uh that is something that we take very seriously at Colorado Christian University because uh, I think the breakdown of virtue has led to so many challenges and we're trying to fit the government in to try to deal with these issues as a society, the broken family, uh, kids being born out of wedlock, kids uh, not being able to reach their potential in education because of the breakdown in family. So that role of virtue and freedom is, is really important and I don't see a lot of it uh, on the libertarian side, small L libertarian. So I think you have a very important voice and I appreciate you having that voice. Thank you for being on. Well, thanks for having me. And I would encourage everybody. I had an article called, Is There a Future for Fusionism? that tackles this exact subject. I'm very, very interested in it. I would encourage everybody to check it out if they're also interested in it, because I think you're right that this is a thing that has gotten lost. We don't talk enough about virtue. Um, we, we, we're, too, we're, we're, so, we're too consumed with politics these days, and we need to sort of recover the original understanding of fusionism as both liberty and virtue being non-negotiable. I agree. 
I agree. Look at that. We reached the end and we're in agreement. I appreciate it. I want to thank Jamie, our communications director and producer for being in studio today. Michael Arpaio for being working the board and for Salem's partnership. You've been listening to the Frontier Freedom Hour. Get more information by going to FrontierFreedomRadio.com. We'll see you next week.